0: I guess y'all have noticed that uh, the Christmas decorations are up, and I want to thank Bobby and all his uh, decorating team, so if you are part of the decorating team, why don't you stand and let us give you a hand of appreciation this morning. <laughs> They're probably too embarrassed, but it means a lot to all of us to, uh, that y'all put in that effort to make our sanctuary look so nice at Christmas time and so festive as we celebrate What the Lord God has done for us in sending His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, we're almost finished with 2019. And in one month from today, we'll be entering a new decade as we begin 2020. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Did you ever think you'd see 2020? I mean, that sounded, when I was a kid, that sounded so far away. 2020, that was science fiction territory. And when you hear those two numbers, 2020 20 together, we think of what? Perfect vision. Perfect vision. So what does the Lord have in store for his church here at Dawson Street in the next 10 years, in the next decade? As we start a new decade in one month and we start uh, looking at what, what does God have in store for us? I know he's got many wonderful things for us that we cannot even begin to fathom at this point, but we've been considering what that vision might look like according to his word. And Many people, when we talk about vision, people think about uh, you know organization or things that we're going to do and certain strategies and so forth, but that's not where we're beginning. In fact, it was about four months ago that we started this series, maybe a little bit longer, and we uh, started with what the Lord wants us to be, not what the Lord wants us to do, because before we can do, we need to be. We need to be the kind of people that God wants us to be, because being always precedes doing. So what does the Lord Jesus want us to be? Well, he desires us to be a people devoted to him with all of our hearts. With all of our heart. That's the theme that we've been looking at for the last four or five months. And you know there's no limit to what God can do to a people who's yielded to him with all of their heart. Now today, I want to introduce the fourth step or the fourth step. part of this series. We've looked at loving the Lord. The greatest commandment in all the scriptures is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Then we looked at seeking the Lord with all your heart. And then we just concluded serve the Lord with all your heart. You see this phrase with all your heart is usually connected in scripture to seven, uh, about seven different things. And we looked at the first three, love, seek, serve. So today we're going to start a new one And uh, I want us to look at Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 16, and we'll see what that one is. Deuteronomy 26, 16 says, This day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. And then in chapter 30 and verse 2, He says, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. So today we're going to talk about and in the next month, in this month of December, we're going to talk about obeying the Lord with all of our heart. That's our goal. We want to obey the Lord with all of our heart. God wanted to put As 2 Chronicles 30 verse 12 says, what God wants to do is put in us a singleness of heart to obey. And that's part of the problem. We don't have a singleness of heart. We have a a, a multi-directional heart. Our heart goes here today and here tomorrow and there the next day and it's all over the place. God wants to unite our heart. He wants to give us a single heart directed only to him. Now, there might be some that would say, you know, uh, this obeying the Lord with all your heart, you just read out of the Old Testament. Obey, obedience is not a New Testament principle. Isn't God a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness in the New Testament? Isn't, doesn't He just kind of make allowances us for us to disobey or when we disobey? Well, the truth is, yes, He does give us grace and mercy when we disobey, but He makes no allowance for our disobedience. In other words, He doesn't give us permission to disobey. In fact, the moment you become a Christian, Jesus gave us the great commission, the church of Jesus Christ. Here's what we're to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to teach them to obey, observe all things that I've commanded you. The very first thing a believer is to be engaged in is learning how to obey what the Lord Jesus has taught us. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 that obedience is part of our purification process. God has cleansed us from our sin. But our obedience, here's what it says, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. You see, it's not, okay, well, I walk down the aisle, I give my life to Christ, I get baptized, and bam, I'm automatically perfect. Well, we know that's not the case. If you've been saved, you know that's not the case. You know that that obedience is still a necessary part of your salvation. It's not that you obey more, you are saved more, you obey less, you're saved less. It means that you're becoming more like Jesus Christ through your obedience well, what does it mean to obey? I mean, that's pretty simple, pretty straightforward, but here's a dictionary definition. To comply with or follow the commands or wishes or instructions of someone else. To submit or to conform to someone else or some guiding principle. That's what we're called to do to Jesus Christ, to the Lord God Almighty, to follow his commands. You see, what is a Christian? What is a believer? You remember I told you a few months, well, actually earlier this year, that God, <clears throat> the, the New Testament only uses the term Christians, Christian three times, and it's never used by God to refer to his people. Not that it's a bad term, but there's some other terms that more, are more descriptive of what we ought to be. And that one of them is follower of Christ. You see, a person can say, I'm a Christian, but they're not following Jesus Christ. Are they truly a Christian? No, but they can say they are. A person can say, I'm saved, or I go to church, but they're not really following Jesus Christ in their lifestyle. And so obedience, think of the term follow, submitting to. So this is something that God wants us to do with all of our heart, obey with all of our heart. What are some things that we tend to obey or follow? I'm going to give you several things as we introduce this series. Here are some things we tend to obey and follow without even thinking about it. First of all, our natural inclinations, just what seems right to you. We tend to obey that just without even thinking about it. You know, you wake up, my natural inclination is I want a cup of coffee. So what do I do, go, go do? I go make me a cup of coffee. That's my natural inclination. Okay. We obey those impulses that we have. In fact, it's not just those natural desires, it's it's just what comes natural to our thinking. The Bible says there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, your natural inclinations can lead you far further from God than, rather than closer to God. In fact, that's mostly true. Your natural response to any given situation is probably not the, not the right one because it will lead you away from God. Another thing we tend to obey and follow is our feelings and our emotions at the time. How many of you have ever heard this phrase, just follow your heart? Yeah, hallmark. The heart of Christmas. They need some new storylines, but they're good movies. Follow your heart. Is that good advice? But you've given it, and you've received it, and you've probably, we've all done it. Follow your heart. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all else. Don't trust your heart. Your heart will deceive you. Your emotions, your feelings at any given time will deceive you. Don't follow your heart. Who should you follow? God. How do you know what God wants in any given situation? Yeah, it's right here. Here's the instruction manual right here. How about another thing we tend to follow and obey? Our fleshly desires. We just obeyed a lot of fleshly desires this past Thursday, didn't we? I want a little bit of that and a lot of this, a little bit of that and a lot of that. And then we got done, we're so stuffed and we wanted to be able to eat more, even though we're stuffed up to here, right? We wanted more, 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 more. Our fleshly desires, if it looks good, eat it or do it. If it tastes good, eat it. If it feels good, do it. Our fleshly desires, our fleshly impulses... We give into those things just naturally without even thinking about them. Another thing that we tend to follow and obey is our peers. And listen, old folks, median age folks, it ain't just the young people that succumb to peer pressure. I see it at all age levels. People succumbing to societal norms. We do it this way because that's the way it's always been done. That's the way everybody else is doing it. And it works for them. Surely it will work for us. Right? It can't be wrong if people are succeeding at doing it. Societal norms, peer pressure, everybody's doing it. Israel wanted a king. Why did Israel want a king? Do you remember? Because everybody else had a king. Why do you want what you want? Is it because everybody else has one? Why do you want to do what you want to do? Because everybody else is doing it? We tend to obey those things. Another thing we tend to obey is what we can see, touch, and accomplish with relative ease. We shy away from considering the difficult or the impossible. We, we tend to uh, obey or follow that which we can accomplish in our own abilities, in our own strength. Oh, yeah, God must be calling me to that because that's pretty easy. But when we look at something that God might be calling us to that requires a whole lot of faith and stepping out in faith and, and you can't see the end result and you're not sure if you can really do it, Hmm. well, God must not be in that. Or you take that step of faith, and then it gets really difficult. It gets really challenging, and you go, "Well, God must be telling me this. I made the wrong choice. It's time to go back to that safe, comfortable zone over here." Another thing that we tend to follow and obey is whatever makes sense, whatever is logical and explainable and certain. If it makes sense, it's got to be something we can, I should do. If it, if it's logical. If it's certain, if I know the outcome is going to be certain, then that's something I can obey, I can follow. So you see that these are, these are six or seven ways or six or seven things that we just tend to obey and follow. We don't even think about it. So in this series of messages, I want, us to, I want to challenge us. That's me too, because I'm as human as you are. Do you know that? I'm as human as you are I'm as easily tempted to do those things as you are. So I want to challenge us to stop and think about what does it mean to obey the Lord with all of our heart. And one of the things is it means just to stop and consider what we're doing, why we're doing it, where we're going, who's leading us to do this. Did this come from God? Is it something that would bring glory to Him? All of those things that we push off to the side because we just are following our own life. We don't stop and think, am I obeying the Lord? You know, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, this is how serious disobedience is. And by the way, you can be disobedient and not be aware of it. And you can, that's another thing I want to challenge us in is help us to see our disobedience. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's disobedience. Just because you don't know it doesn't mean it's not sin or that it doesn't please God. We ought to be asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the ways in which I'm disobedient. I want to know how I'm grieving you. I want to to experience the, the fullness of your presence and your power in my life. I don't want to grieve you with my sin and disobedience. Show me those ways. So we ought to be praying that. But disobedience is a very serious issue. Look at 1 Samuel 15, verse 23. This is after Saul, the king, which they, Israel asked for because everybody else got one, and they wanted one. And so God gave them one, but God disciplined them in it. And then, of course, Saul disobeyed God. God told Saul exactly what to do to the Amalekites. Saul disobeyed. And now Samuel, the prophet, is confronting Saul about his disobedience. And Saul said, or Samuel said to Saul, verse 23, rebellion, by the way, back up to verse 22. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? See, Saul said, I I kept some of the sheep and the goats alive so I could sacrifice them to God. When God said, no, you wipe them all out. And, And Samuel said to Saul, behold, to obey Is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Here's how serious disobedience is He says disobedience, rebellion, is like witchcraft. Now, I hope to God, none of you here would participate in any kind of witchcraft. By the way, horoscopes is witchcraft. You can say what you want to say, it's witchcraft. And if you're reading them, you're participating in witchcraft. And I'll tell you what else you're doing is you're opening your soul up to the devil. And you're just saying, come on in, devil, have your way. If you're playing with Ouija boards, you're involved in witchcraft. And some of these video games that some of these teenagers and adults are playing, You're opening your soul to witchcraft. Some of the movies that that our kids and and teenagers and adults are watching are opening your soul to witchcraft. And you think it's all innocent fun. But listen, that's the way the devil works. He wants to deceive people with fun and entertainment and suck you into his world and get a hold of your soul so he can torment you and twist you and deceive you and destroy you. But I hope none of you are involved in actual seances, those kinds of things, all these witchcraft things that go on. Listen, that's opening your soul to the devil. But here's what the Bible says rebellion equals witchcraft. So even if you're not reading your horoscopes, playing with Ouija boards and all these stupid things I've just mentioned, and you're living in rebellion and disobedience to God in an area of your life or multiple areas in your life, and you know know that it's wrong, or maybe you don't know that it's wrong, you're just following the crowd, then you have opened your soul to the devil. And you're being tormented, and the devil is going to lead you down a path you don't really want to go. And when you get to the end of that path, you're going to see destruction and death and defeat. And you're going to have, he's going to have such a hold on you that you can't let go. He won't let go easily. And so he says, disobedience is that serious. It's that serious. Who was the original disobedier? disobedier. I'm making up new words every week. Yeah. <clears throat> I have that prerogative. I'm up here. You're not. Sorry. <laughs> Who was the original Person who disobeyed. No, before Eve. Satan. Satan. The first created being that ever disobeyed was the devil, Lucifer. He was the archangel. And that's what he's trying to get every one of us to do, disobey and live in disobedience. It's like witchcraft. Matthew, uh, Henry Blackaby said, nothing is more serious than persistent disobedience in the lives of God's people. Nothing. Now, how does this relate to the Christmas story? Oh, I'm looking forward to showing you obedience in the Christmas story. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. It's all through the Christmas story. And I'm going to give you three ways in the life of Mary how she obeyed the Lord. Let's pick up in the Christmas story, Luke chapter 1. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible." Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I'll show you three things about Mary and how she obeyed the Lord. You know who Mary is. Mary was a young teenage girl. Look at some of these teenage girls over here. They could have easily have been the ones chosen. But it was Mary, over 2,000 years ago, a young teenage girl who was betrothed to a man named Joseph. This girl was... Highly favored by God. She had not ever been uh, immoral in her life whatsoever. But here's why she was asked to do something. Mary obeyed. Look at verse 29. When she did not understand and when it didn't make sense. She was troubled, it says. Have you ever felt like God was asking you to do something that troubled you? That disturbed you. She was troubled. It didn't make sense. It didn't compute logically. Verse 34 and 35, she even asked the question, How can this be? We read over that so glibly because we've read over it so many times, but as the song said, I love to tell the story. Every year, I love to tell the Christmas story because I know it's true, and I find new things from it every year. We read over that. But Mary said, how can this be? Think about it. An angel shows up to your house one day, you're minding your own business, and says, hey, sweetheart, you're going to have a baby. And you know you've never been with a man. And what's your first question? Just as Mary's was. She was troubled. How can this be? This doesn't make sense. It's illogical. But she obeyed when it didn't make sense. Even though it troubled her soul and her spirit, she heard from God and she obeyed. Second thing, she obeyed when her reputation was on the line. Lord, I'll do that, but I just don't want people to think this and that about me. Mary's reputation was on the line. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, you're a virgin. How'd you get that big belly? Well, the Holy Spirit, oh, yeah, right. The Holy Spirit did that. Nobody's ever heard that. Who ever heard? That doesn't happen to people. We know what you've been doing. You've been immoral. What was the law? she would be stoned. So she was also obeying at the risk of her life as well as her reputation. How many of us will step out and say, it doesn't matter what people think of me. I'm going to do what God told me to do. It doesn't matter what my friends or my, my associates or my coworkers think of me. I am going to obey the Lord despite how popular I am or unpopular it makes me. I'm willing to risk my life and reputation to follow the Lord Jesus Christ because he risked his life, died for me. I ought to be willing to at least die to my reputation for him. Mary did. It ruined her life, in a manner of speaking. You see, we look at it from our side. And when we look at it from our side, it made her life, right? But you look at it from the worldly side, it ruined her life. It ruined her reputation. There were people who would never trust her again. There were friends who, would ha- who, who probably abandoned her. There were friends of her parents who probably withdrew from their acquaintance because this family had this shadow of adultery. Hanging over them. And they wanted to be pure and clean so they could worship in the temple and go to the synagogue. They didn't they not want anything to do with that family and that and that girl. But she obeyed. Thirdly, Mary obeyed when it seemed impossible. Verse 36, God told Mary about another impossible situation. Elizabeth, your relative, your cousin, has conceived a son in her old age. Well, that's impossible. Women don't, are not able to conceive past a certain age, but Elizabeth did. Just in case, Mary, you doubt the fact that I can cause you to conceive without having a man, I want you to know that Elizabeth, who's passed the ability physically, biologically to conceive children, has conceived because I spoke it into being. And then he says, for nothing shall be impossible with God. So Mary, I'm, what I'm asking you to do and what I'm, I'm giving you is something that's impossible. She had to obey when it seemed impossible. And I wonder if that's how we approach things as we spoke of in the introduction. We only attempt things that we think are possible. Listen, God doesn't call his church to attempt things they can accomplish. Do you know that? If we think we can do it, it's probably our good, our good idea. But if it's something that we're not sure we can accomplish, it's not, we're not sure it's, it, it, it's, it's even possible, that's a good hint. It could be from God. Because you read the Bible. How many times did God ask men to do the possible? <laughs> not very many. But how many times did he ask him to do the impossible? But yet churches today and Christians today, they're looking for the possible. They're looking to accomplish what everybody else is doing. If everybody else is doing it, surely we can accomplish it. We don't even consider the impossible, the improbable. But obeying God sometimes means we've got to take a step of faith and do what to us seems First of all, illogical and impossible. Are you willing to do that? And if you say no, then you're being unbiblical because all throughout Scripture, that's what God asks His people to do. The illogical, the impossible, and put their reputation on the line for Him. Obeying God with all of our hearts, that's what it looks like. And we see it in the life of a little virgin girl named Mary. He could have chosen one of the greatest people of all time to demonstrate that. But he chose a meek, humble, little teenage girl to teach us one of the greatest lessons on obedience. How did Mary express her obedience to God? Look at verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. You know what Mary is saying there? I don't understand it. I'm risking everything. I don't know how it's going to happen, but here I am. I'm yours. You got me. I'm your servant. What's a servant supposed to do? What does a servant do? Amen. Obey the master. She said, "I'm the maid servant. I'll obey you. Let it be to me, as you've said." What's she doing? She's surrendering to the will of God, laying down all of these things—her her thoughts, her emotions, her reputation. Her feelings, all of that, she's just laying it down on the altar. Lord, here I am. That's what God's waiting on from us. That's what He's waiting on from you. If you want God to do a great work in your life, it won't happen apart from that kind of obedience. That's where God can work. Would you bow with me this morning? Would you just say what Mary just said? You say, well, I'm not sure exactly what God's telling me to do. Some of you probably already know or are wrestling with something that you feel like God's talking to you about. Maybe you still need some clarification from him. And if that's the case, keep seeking him. Some of you may know clearly what God's telling you to do and you've just kind of brushed it off. You don't want to think about it. And some of you may not have a clue, but here's what all of us can do. You can give God a blank check. I doubt any of us take our checkbooks and sign every check before we fill them out. That would be foolish to leave a bunch of blank checks hanging around in your pocketbook or your wallet or pocket. But that's exactly what God wants you to do. He wants you to sign a check, and leave it blank. Lord, here I am. I'm your maidservant. I'm your manservant. Whatever you're asking me to do, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I, help me to obey you when it doesn't make sense. Help me to obey you when my reputation's on the line, when I'm worried about what other people will think or say. Help me to obey you when it seems difficult and even impossible. Would you say that to the Lord this morning? And lay your life on the altar? Lord, you hear our hearts. You see our hearts. You know us inside and out. And Lord, you know we struggle with obedience. You know we tend to follow our own way. But Lord, it's, it's not fulfilling. Very little joy or contentment, peace, involved in our doing things our own way. Lord, help us to surrender as Mary surrendered. Help us to say what Mary said, Lord, here I am. Do with me as you see fit. Help us to give you that kind of heart and life. Because, Lord, you said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Lord, we're, our obedience is proof of whether or not we love you. So, Father, we're committing ourselves to you, and we're trusting for your grace to energize us and your spirit to fill us, to help us keep that which we've committed unto you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand,